We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's a white hat day, so it's going to be a good day. <laughs> so, I'm you know Vince is fired up when he rocks the white I know. Hat. I got the white hat out and ready to roll. Wore it on date night last night, so I'm feeling good. So anyway. <laughs> it's not our business, Vince. <laughs> this is the time and the place for that, buddy. <laughs> we went and saw Elvis. It was a good movie. Okay. All right. Anyway. So. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I'm Vince D'Addario. That guy right there is Brian Driscoll. And today, we are going to start a two-part series. And it is going to be about the Notre Dame schedule for the 2022. What? We're not talking about recruiting and quarterbacks? No, we're not. We're not going to talk about that today. And tomorrow is the mailbag. So people can ask that question then. Oh, dude, really? Why'd you have to put that out in the universe? (laughs) Because <laughs> you know it's going to come whether we tell them not to or not. So, but today we are going to we are going to rank the Notre Dame schedule, okay? And mm-hmm. we are going to start at the bottom, and you know we're ranking them one through twelve, but we're going to go twelve to one. And Brian and I, we know ourselves, and we know mm-hmm. how the IR, the IB Nation is. And if we tried to cram all twelve into one show. It wouldn't work. It would be a five-hour show. So we decided to cut it in half, and we're going to talk about mm-hmm. teams 7 through 12. <laughs> the fact that we thought we could cover 12 opponents in an hour. Yeah, it was just like, <laughs> what are we thinking? No. <laughs> what are we thinking here? <laughs> Let's make it two shows. Right. So, so, so we're going to talk about teams 7 through 12 today. We're going to start at the bottom and, and work our way up. And this is the way – so to, to peek behind the curtain a little bit, right – I put my ranking together, Brian put his ranking together, and then we kind of took the average and we right. melded them together for an IB ranking. And explain what it means by ranking, because it's not just 12, be- you know, ranking in, uh, uh, ranking of like the who's the best team and who's the 12th sure. best team. So explain what, what we mean by So th- there's a lot of things that go into it, right? There's where the game is going to be played. It is matchups for Notre Dame. Where and Dame. when. Where, yeah, right. where and when, for example. Yeah, so if like is USC was game? coming is to Notre right Dame. two tough games, all that stuff. Right, all of those things went into consideration for our, our, uh, our ranking. And I will say this. When you put Brian's and I and, and mine right next door to each other, we have the same team seven through twelve. It's just they're in a little bit of a different order, but not by much. It's like one spot here, one spot there, etc. So we were actually pretty close, um, which is good because we we both had the same things. bottom six and the same top six. Yes, absolutely. So which, which is great, and I'm actually excited for both shows, but to see where your top six are. Yeah, my and I was tired of Vince's are. disrespect of Marshall, so I had to bump <laughs> them up the list. <laughs> actually. They're about the same. Well, if we average them together, maybe not. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my, I will, I will say, and we will get to Marshall, but not for a while. <laughs> I have a feeling this is Garen's wife. <laughs> <laughs> that is. Awesome. We're sorry. 
<laughs> it's all fun. our master plan to uh to uh recruit recruit you as well to join our team so <laughs> Uh, yeah, when the wife jumps in and calls you out on uh, in the chat, it's time to put IB down. It's time to push pause. <laughs> Come back later, buddy. Yes, I know. And I will say, we were driving to our date last night, and I flipped on Sean's show for a second mm-hmm. as we were driving. I wasn't driving. I was the passenger. And my wife just gave me this look like, really? I'm like, I, I, sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, I'm the same yeah. way, people. So don't feel bad. Do not yep. feel bad at all. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, here we go. So let's jump right into this, Brian. We're going to start at the bottom. Like we said, we're going to start with team number 12. Somebody had to come in 12th. It's no disrespect, but it is what it is. And that team is the team that Notre Dame will face on October 22nd at home at Notre Dame Stadium. And that team is UNLV. Yes. And, you know, kind of looking at the schedule and how it shapes up, it, they're playing UNLV, in my opinion, first of all, at a really good time. And and that, to me, obviously is important because it's it's kind of right in the middle of the season. They're playing them right after Stanford, right before Syracuse, and they're, all three of those teams are going to be in this part of the <laughs> breakdown. It is, and it the is. reason that matters is because you're going to have a, a pretty decent first five games. You play obviously Ohio State. You're going to play North Carolina on the road. You're going to play BYU in a neutral field. So you're going to be away from home quite a bit that sure. first five six <laughs> games. So then you get three straight games, two of them at home, and then UNLV sandwiched right in between Syracuse and Stanford. So right, any advantage that UNLV might get about um, you know sneaking up on Notre Dame or anything like that is is it's going to be it just it comes at a good time for Notre Dame yeah so, absolutely uh, yes so I, yeah go ahead go ahead Vince no, no I, I was just going to say uh, it also UNLV is obviously a, a group of five team right they're they're not a power five team so that has to be taken into account as well uh, even though you know, I, I, I really kind of dug into the numbers. That was one of the, the, the mm-hmm. ideas I or not ideas, one of the ways that I kind of used to rank the teams. OK, and they their numbers aren't the worst of anybody of everybody on the schedule. They're not. They're not right. the worst. But you also have to take into account the competition that they play on a regular basis as right. well. So that has to be factored in. Uh, but they still fall down for me. Now, a point that you made during our little pregame show talk was that they did get a lot of transfers in. And right. so that kind of gives a little bit of a question mark about kind of who UNLV is going to be They're, They brought in some talent on mm-hmm. the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. It, it, it's not, you look at them. So it's not going to really do a whole lot. And when I, when I talk about getting Notre Dame at the right time, it's more about making it a game where it's like ball state a couple years ago, Toledo last year, Notre Dame's going to win. It's just, do you have to keep your starters in the game a little bit longer than you should? Right. And that's kind of where we're getting at. And that's where I think the timing of it is pretty good for Notre Dame, because if you're able to handle your business, you're going to be able to sit guys at a time when you've got a pretty rough stretch coming up. So yeah. when you look at UNLV events, they went two and 10 last year. They're not, they're not, they're just not good. And, and right. coach Arroyo's done some nice things. They got, like you said, a lot of transfers, but they went two and 10. They averaged 20.8 points per game. They gave up 32.8 points per game. And so, I mean, they're, it's not even like they were overly competitive, Right. <laughs> Except there was a game I, I did watch them once last year uh, as far as just like watching the whole game and they played Fresno and they lost 38 30. They gave Fresno a game. 
they played set Texas San Antonio, who was a pretty decent team last year, lost by a touchdown. So if you look at UNLV, they actually had some competitive losses last year, lost by eight to San Diego State at home, lost by seven to San Jose, lost by four to Utah State, the other games we mentioned, lost by two to Eastern Washington and FCS team. But they're just not good. Now, the good thing is, is they, like you said, they got some transfers in. They got Harrison right. Bailey, who's a former top 100 quarterback who signed with Tennessee and got beat out by uh, Hendon Hooker last year. So he transferred there. They got a receiver from Michigan State named Ricky White, who transferred over. He has 10 career catches for over 200 yards. Had We were talking, Vince, I think he had something yeah. like eight catches for like a bunch of yards and an upset win over Michigan in 2020. So, I mean, he's a kid that brings some big playability to them. Yeah. So, I mean, but they also they also return a lot. You know, they return seven starters on both sides of the ball. So, they're going to be better. And, sure. I, and I think Coach Arroyo is doing some nice things there. But them being better is a whole lot different than them being good. And that's the reality of it. You know, they're yeah. going to get better. It's just, if you're Notre Dame, this is one of those games where you've got to come out and be Notre Dame and make them remember their UNLV and get right. the sucker over by halftime. And, it, and it's your home game. I mean, it, it's in October. I mean, it's the prime time to have home games at Notre Dame Stadium with with all the ambiance and everything that goes on. And then you just need to take care of your business. I mean, this is this is a team that should not put up much of a fight against Notre Dame. And you, you can't overlook them. I mean, you can't overlook anybody on your schedule. That's not... I would never say that about any team. You can't overlook them, but you need to go in there and you need to take care of business. And then, of course, it's an opportunity also fairly deep into the season where you can go a little bit further into your bench and you can mm-hmm. get some more reps and you can try out a few things and you can get yourself right moving forward. Because, right. look, middle of middle to late October, Brian, there's going to be a lot of guys nursing some injuries. Right. You know, just That's the, called the, football. The na- yeah, the nagging, the, you know, right. they're they're hurt, they're not injured. You know what I mean? Right. And so there's an opportunity there to kind of okay, we're going to work with that. We're still we're still going mm-hmm. out and playing our game, right? But maybe yeah. there's not as many reps for some of these guys that might not be 100%, etc. So it's not a situation I don't want people to think I'm talking about Ball State of a few years ago, where right. that's like the goal. Like you, you, you practice all those you guys, pre- and, and then it's a turn not turn out that right. way because you didn't prepare right. the right way. Right. It's about prepare the same way, absolutely. But then maybe we're working it because this is also the interesting stretch of the season, Vince, where your your team for November starts to take shape. Exactly, and games like this can be part of that. So let's just say hypothetically, let's just say Tobias Merriweather. Get some time, but he's not like a big part of the rotation early just because it's like, hey, we got to win this week. We got to win this week. Right. This stretch that begins with Stanford and ends with Syracuse and has UNLV right in the middle is kind of that time where you can see that break out a little bit. Yes. And, and we saw that with Chris Olave at Ohio State a few years ago. Vince, if you remember when he broke out for Ohio State, he did almost nothing early in the year. He had like a couple mop-up minutes. And then the late in the year, he started getting a little bit more action and you know started getting a little bit more playing time. Sure. And then all of a sudden – he comes out at the end of the season and he, and he goes off. I mean, he had one catch in the opener, mop-up duty. He had one catch against Tulane a month later, mop-up duty. Then all of a sudden he catches two for 41 against Michigan State, plays more snaps, you know, makes a catch and plays more snaps in a, in a close win over Maryland. So clearly these aren't mop-up duty minutes anymore. Right. And then, boom, he busts <laughs> out, you know, with two touchdowns against Michigan, and he right. breaks out with five catches for 79 yards in the, pack, the Big Ten title game against Northwestern. So this is the stretch where you can maybe get some extra reps and some opportunities yes. for some of your younger players that are part of your depth chart right. to where not only are you giving them a a, a, a breather at that mm-hmm. point in time, but you're also now expanding your uh, potential to expand your rotation a little bit because you do have a stretch of games that are very winnable. Because what you got to be careful of is that if you, you know, early in the year, if you try that against Marshall and, and Cal, well, you're still building your team Absolutely. from a starting standpoint. You're figuring out who you are and right. all those different things. And you got to yeah. get yourself ready for North Carolina and BYU. Yes. Now that's kind of been established. Now it's like, okay, this is a chance for us to get so-and-so a little bit and more I, time early. Or yes. Not just in the second half, but early. Right. And I and I really like, like you said, this stretch of three games, Stanford, UNLV, Syracuse. And you said it earlier, The all three of those teams are going to find their way into this show. Okay. So, you know, not to – break any news here but those three are going to be on this end okay and this is where the second half of the season starts right this mm-hmm. is you're 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 well into the season you are and then you've got these three games where okay that you can call them get right games you can call them expansion games as far as expanding your depth chart a little bit you can mm-hmm. find out who's who 
Right. Who's going to be able in, to help in this you game in especially? Yeah, that's the thing. When you look at, at Nate at, at UNLV, that game mm-hmm. especially needs to be that kind of game. That needs to be your get right game. Yes. if we're going to be honest, absolutely. So that's UNLV again. We can dive. We're, we could we could dive into like a specific matchup. We'll do a little bit of that as we get closer to the season. We'll dive right. into each opponent, but we're just going to kind of give a, yes. a, a brief overview and and kind of talk more big picture like we just did. Yeah, and so, that's I want to make sure people yeah. understand that we're going to do opponent previews and we're going to spend, yeah. you know, a whole show talking about right. opponent up the opponent, right? And and but this isn't that show. This is just ranking the opponents based right. on some things and we'll dive in a little bit, but the more in-depth digging mm-hmm. will be in the future. So I just want to make right. sure we put that out there so people aren't upset that we're yeah. not, you know, really digging into so the l- Let's go number. Let's go next. <laughs> yes. Let's so, go to number eleven. So the number eleven team is obviously a team that you and I both have a, a tremendous amount of respect for. A team that we never want to see off of the Notre Dame schedule. But the bottom line facts are they have not been super competitive over the last couple of years, and it's been to me that's disappointing because I feel like Ken uh, Niamatololo, or however you say his name, I apologize, Niamatololo, if you're watching. Yeah, I got that um, one right. Yeah, you can nail that. I always have trouble with his. I've been saying it for a decade. I know. If DJ Uyunglele stays as long as Hunter Renfo did, I'll probably have his name down too by the time he's done. Good call. But I like Coach Ken. I like what they do over there. I think he's stayed when he could have left, which I give him a lot of props for. And it's been unfortunate that he that they've kind of fallen on some hard times here the last few right. years and they're just not the competitive team that they've been in the past and i to me that's disappointing i like it's it not when, to me it's i like when navy's me. competitive I, I always want to play navy i want they're never going to come off the schedule but i yeah. do want them to stink i'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> because it is want, a draining game i want them to and stink. when they're really good at what they do it can be an even more physically draining game i mean look I don't want to dismiss that this uh, playing a triple option team is not draining it. You you see it. I mean, you go go into the the training room the Monday after sure. you play Navy and all your D linemen and are nice get nice bass. I don't know if they that's still <laughs> a thing, but whatever the modern oh, equivalent of that is, no, it's a thing. Is it at Notre Dame? Like, uh, well, like I, I don't know I, if they like put them in some chamber that like fe- yeah, heals them from point. the triple option or something like it that. Heals but, them from the triple you know, option. <laughs> whatever. Okay, that's you know, funny. but that's funny. I mean, it, it is a rough game, and when and when you're when they're not good, two things happen. Number one, they're not as good at doing those things. If we're being honest, and number two, you're out by halftime, and, and we've seen that a lot more recently. And, and you look at Navy last year. You know they were a four to eight team, and and really their offense has really been the problem. They they've really struggled on offense in recent right. years. They right. just haven't been able to score because honestly, in the last few years they've had a hard time finding a quarterback. And and here's the secret for Navy, right? And it's the worst kept secret in the history of football. <laughs> okay, when they got a dynamic trigger man at quarterback, they're really good. Yeah, when they don't, they're not good. And you know we Ricky Dobbs when he was there, Navy was good. Shocker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, you know, you couldn't, I mean, the, the full, oh, the fullback did it is all because of Ricky Dobbs, right? Keenan Reynolds. Absolutely. Absolutely. When they haven't had guys like that, they haven't been good. And the other thing too, is, is ever since their longtime D coordinator retired, their defense has taken a big step back. Yeah. They're just not the team that that they were on defense. And that feels like the hardest part about being at Navy is defense. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's really defense. You're you can you can manipulate some things offensively to to hang in there with with people, mm-hmm. but defensively, we talked about it. You need dudes on defense yeah. to be good at defense, and it's really hard to get those guys at Navy. Yeah. So I, I just I don't you know, and then you look at it too, Vince. Their top three rushers are gone, and they lose four starting offensive linemen, and their quarterback's just not dynamic. He had like three hundred some rushing yards last year, averaged like two point two yards per carry yeah. something like ridiculous like that you, yeah. the triple just doesn't work if you don't have a weapon a quarterback and i don't think the kid they have there is a weapon a quarterback so i yeah. think that's really the issue and Notre Dame didn't play well last year against him and still ran him off the field it was you ugly. know yeah. pretty easily and and it was just another example of how Notre Dame was able to destroy teams despite not playing I mean, if you go break down the film Notre Dame didn't play well like him just had better players than maybe sure by by far absolutely and, and, that, and that was it should almost be that every way. game. Yeah, I mean, I, mean it I thought they played really well against Georgia Tech. I thought they played pretty well against Stanford for the most part. Other than that, I just didn't think they played very well. Okay. They just were way better than the teams that they played. And they did some things schematically and all that kind of stuff. But sure, you know, they, they continue to prove. But Na- Navy is, I mean, that's another game where you look at it and you say, another reason I want them to stink, Vince, is because they do play. And this is one of the reasons I considered moving them up higher than the list. 
is because of when they play them. It's right between Clemson and Boston College yeah. and USC. That's the definition of a trap game. Right. I it's, hate playing the, Navy late in the season. The problem is for me, and I and and playing where they're playing, you can you can erase the name of the team and you put them in that slot, and that is a trap game for Notre Dame. Like that bottom line, right? The problem for me with it being a trap game is that it's Navy and they just haven't been very good. You know what I mean? Right. And that's the biggest issue for me, Navy wise. It's just so you, it's you, less you, of a trap game because they're just not very good right, right. now. Right. And that, but it's this year, it's good that they're not yeah, good. I, that's I my agree. point because you, it is sandwiched between Clemson and BC and USC. Right. And I want to get my starters out of there if I'm Notre Dame's coaches by halftime. And if that's you take why one it, of these, right. a couple, maybe a couple of these other teams and put them in that slot. I'm more worried about that being a legit trap game. You know what? Mm-hmm. Does, that, does that make sense? Like it just right. Navy's doesn't scare me anymore. They, right. well, they the should have never scared you. That said a well, whole lot more about okay, Notre Dame than Navy. That's fair. The, the the point of it, however, is is the timing of the game is the thing that concerns me the most. It's right after Clemson. You're either going to have an emotional win or an emotionally painful yeah. loss. Sure, either one. And then if you if you're not ready to just reload right away against Navy, then you run the risk of this being a four quarter game. And I don't want sure. any of my linemen in this game for four quarters there. And that's, that's where we're at. No, that's fair. Moving on to team number 10 on our list, Brian and team number 10 falls early on in the season for Notre Dame. I believe it is week two, three, week three, week three. excuse me, September 17th at home, second home the game. green game. That's what I wanted. It's the green out. Yes. It's the Irish, Irish wear green, green and right the there. team is actually going to gonna win this green. That's great. Imagine I, that. I still love that video. Um, that was great, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, it hey, was. Bass. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Can we wear green jerseys? That yeah, was awesome. Really good. Freaking awesome. Really okay, good. so uh, we're talking about Cal, and this is – I don't know the series history, but it's the first time they played Cal in a really long time. I don't yeah. remember them playing Cal, and I've been watching Notre Dame pretty consistently for a very long time. Uh it's not often, but it, they have. I'm pretty sure they have played. I'm sure they've played them. Could be wrong, but yeah, they have played four times in history events. Okay, okay. And Notre Dame, not shockingly, is four zero, and they played <laughs> right. a four game series. Basically, they played in fifty nine and sixty, okay. and then sixty five and sixty seven. Okay. So that Notre Dame won twenty eight six, twenty one seven, forty eight to six, and forty one to eight. So, so yeah, my they, memory is not failing me in this no, instance. They have not played. In your lifetime. Okay, fair enough. Or yours, for that matter. You're, yep. You know, you're a spring chicken too, buddy. Um, So, excuse me with the ums, yeah. but uh, we're talking Cal here. Cal is, I mean, yeah. you, we let's, have Let's do the 10. resume, right, Vince? Five yeah. and seven off of last year, right? right? And, and they were competitive five and seven at times. 23 and eight points per game on offense, but 22.3 per game points per game allowed yeah. on defense. They're, They're defense. just... Justin yeah. Wilcox is their head coach, very good defensive coordinator. Uh, they, the, the thing is, is like Cal, if I if I just base it off of last year, Cal's up higher because, like I said, they were they were three and seven last year, but they were a quality. I mean, excuse me, they were five and seven last year, but they were a quality five and seven. You know, they played good defense. They lost to Nevada by five. They lost to Washington by a touchdown. They lost twenty one six to Washington State. They lost ten to three to Arizona. Right? I mean, like you look at their schedule, and outside of they lost by two to TCU, seven to Oregon. Outside of a late-season yeah. blowout loss to UCLA, they were in every game uh, for the most part. It, it just The problem is they have no offense. I mean, they scored 17, 24, 6, 17, 3, 14. And even in some of their – I mean, how many teams win multiple games scoring in the 20s? Yeah, right. And, and that happened good to point. them last year. You know, end of the season with a good win over U, U, USC. The problem is, is there here, – here's, here's what I like about Cal. I like Justin Wilcox as a coach. He's he, they're they're very disciplined. Mm-hmm. They're tough. They're physical. They don't make a lot of mistakes. The problem is they just have almost very very little talent. Marshawn Lynch and Javid Best aren't walking through that door. Right? Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is just saying, dude, is Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, right? exactly. Deshaun Jackson's not returning punts for them right now. I mean, right. this is just a team that just doesn't have a lot of talent. And not only do they not have a lot of talent, they only have three starting offensive players and four starting defensive players coming back. And, and so, and, and only one skilled player coming back on offense, and it's their running back. And they lost their quarterback. I mean, they, they lost a lot. And, you know, it's just they're going to struggle. I mean, I'm looking at their starting lineup and like projects are like freshmen, 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 
Like it's and now and and a quarterback they're getting back is the kid that Notre Dame is familiar with. It's Jack Plummer, the kid that transferred in from Purdue, and we saw what Notre Dame did to him oh, okay. last year with David Bell and the guys he had around him at Purdue. So it's not going to be it's not going to be a pretty yeah. game. I mean, Notre Dame could score twenty four points and win by three touchdowns in this game. I mean, I mean that's their offense is bad, right? It's their defense. Yeah. I mean, if if Cal has a calling card. It's their defense, but they yeah. only have so many of those guys coming back, right. which is obviously a huge problem. And they were all of their returners on, on. I mean, they have one guy coming back from their front seven. Yeah, one. and there you go. I mean, it, I mean, if you're looking at last year's numbers, they were they were top fifty. They were top fifty defense. They were thirty second in scoring defense and forty eighth right. in total defense. And that's okay. I mean, that's that's pretty good playing in the Pac twelve. You know what I mean? Because teams like to score, et cetera, et cetera. That's pretty darn good, and that's why I actually had them a little higher, but I understand where you're coming from when it comes to guys coming back and the transfers and the young kids, and there's just a ton of question marks when it comes to Cal. And on top of that, it's a home game for Notre Dame. They match up really well against Cal across the board. I mean, again, we're splitting hairs here. They're still a double digit (laughs) on our list. I mean, they're they're 10th on the list. I mean, it's not a whole lot of – you know, right. they couldn't get much worse. So we're splitting hairs, but at the same time, you, you got to give them a little bit of respect because they still have, I believe they still have the same coaching staff, right? So yeah, I mean, Peter Sherman's a, 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 a quality mm-hmm. defensive coordinator, yeah. in my opinion. He's their defensive coordinator. I said, I like Justin Wilcox, you know, Bill Musgraves, their offensive coordinator. He's been around a long time. The problem is he's a pro style guy. And the problem with pro style guys is you need players. Right, you know, and Chase Gerber's left, so I mean they're 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 in trouble, and you know we'll see how Notre Dame is emotionally, and, and it makes sense for this to be the green jersey game since they're not their their jerseys are kind of, you know, their colors are somewhat similar to Notre Dame's, not exactly. I mean, With different navy, yellow and, navy and all that, but they're navy and gold. Yeah, and, you know, now you're going to stand out a little bit more. So uh, you know, it, it'll and they're going to. I mean, it's interesting. We'll actually get to see two of these teams that we've talked about already play each other the week before, because yeah. UNLV travels to Cal. So we'll get a, we'll get to watch those two teams play the, the previous week. Huge. But I, I mean, ideally, you you think Cal's going to be two and zero? They start off with UC Davis and and mm-hmm. hopefully can win that one and then and then play UNLV. But this should be a game that Notre Dame rolls in. But I but the what thing I like about this game, Vince, is I like the fact that you are going to have to play a pretty pretty decent defense. They're going to be physical again. They're just not talented, but they're going to be well coached. They're going to be physical. This is going to be, in my opinion you know, one of the better schemed defensive teams on the schedule. And so that'll be a good test for Tyler Buckner as well, you know, sure. as, as Notre Dame looks to kind of get back on track after whatever happens in the opener, one way or the other. It's either you're bouncing back from a loss or you're trying to find your footing in, in this emotional win where you've got to say, okay, we that's Ohio is behind us one way or the other. It's time to focus up. Yeah. And, you know, Marshall and, and Cal, to me, the reason I like them back to back and, and well, Let's go to Marshall next because then I can talk about how they're because okay. they're also back to back in our rankings. Yes, they are. Uh, but anyway, let's let's transfer to Marshall, who's who's number nine. Yes, yeah, so Marshall's number nine. It is Notre Dame's second game of the season, uh, week two, obviously uh, first game, first home game, and you know the the Fighting Kane Maddens. Uh, I didn't have a whole lot of respect for them coming in, but then I started to dig into them a little bit, and I I actually had them at nine in my rankings, and so that that that. Bar, you know, just that's that's respect that for work, Vince. That's respect for me, baby. <laughs> Look, you're a group of five team, right? And you're you're over a power five team in Cal. So give credit where credit is due, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I I had them over a different uh, power five team as well. So hey, that's a lot of credit coming from me. Okay, mm-hmm. and I I have a lot of Cade Madden PTSD. So you do I? You and do. You know, I the first step is to admit you have a problem, and right. that is my problem. So, but look. Marshall's numbers, and again, you, yeah. you have to buy who yeah. they play. Well, let's let's dive into it. Their right? numbers are pretty good, Brian. They went they went seven and six last year. Mm-hmm. Athlon has them projected to go eight and four this year, five and three in the Sun Belt. Now the Sun Belt's a good league. Like for power five, for group of five, it's a good league. It's App State, it's got Coastal Carolina, you know, it's got Troy, it's got some decent teams in it. Sure. They went seven and six last year. Uh I'm glad that you have them ahead of Navy now when you remember when we had this conversation before yeah. and you're like, uh, oh, Navy's better. I'm like, uh, oh, they beat Navy 42 to seven. Um, <laughs> sorry. I had to get that in there. <laughs> and two minutes. Oh, I'm sorry. I was wrong. 49 to seven. Oh, my um, you know, and, and at the time I was excited about their quarterback. Cause you know, Grant Wells was a kid. I really liked last year at quarterback. Well, he's gone. 
and he transferred to Virginia Tech, which I was really bummed about. But they got a transfer from uh, Texas Tech, Henry Columbia. He transfers in, but they got a running back. If y'all haven't watched this kid, he's a good football player. Again, for group of five, he's, he's uh, Kareem Ali, had over 1,000 yards last year. He's a really good football player. The problem that Marshall's going to have and, and why I contemplated putting Cal ahead of them is a big reason that they were good last year was because of the play of their offensive line. And again, when Kane Madden was there, he was a really good lineman for them. He was an All-American kid for them. Yeah. And they had four kids. They, they lost four starters from last year's offensive line. And that's what fueled their team. I and mean, that's that's where, you know, Kareem Ali had his success – or Rashim Ali, excuse me, had his success as a runner, you know, had over 1,200 yards. Uh, the offensive line is what fueled it. And they're going to lose that, which hurts. And then the other thing, too, with them is they only have four starters coming back from what was a pretty decent defense sure. last year. I mean, they gave up 23.8 points per game. Which in that league is pretty good. If you look at if you look at it, they gave up 42 points to East Carolina, 31 to App State, 34 to Middle Tennessee, and then 36 to Louisiana in a bowl game, 53 to Western Kentucky. So they could be had, you know. But then when they would play teams that they had better players, Florida, Florida, Florida FIU, they gave up zero points. At 13 to Florida Atlantic, uh, 10 to NC Central, seven to Navy. So like they would they would be okay at times. But when they played teams with better athletes, they got exposed and they lost a lot of guys. And so that was one of the things that I, I really mm-hmm. contemplated because of how much talent they lost in their offense. Because as you said about their numbers, Vince, last year, yeah. they averaged 33 points a game. Like they could score. Right. Oh, absolutely. They, My kids, yeah. scoring offense. I mean, right. that's, that's saying right. something. The reason I contemplated putting them behind Cal is because of the fact that their defense is going to be pretty should be pretty rough this year okay i like their head coach a lot charles huff if notre dame fans don't remember the name he was actually one of the finalists or one of the guys that notre dame really made a run at when they were trying to hire a replacement for Audrey denson he ended up going to alabama was there okay. for like a year he was at penn state went to alabama uh, and then got the head coaching job at marshall he's done a nice job you know they've, they've added some transfers you know they, they they're a well-coached team it's just they're not going to have the overall talent this year that they had last year. And the reason I like this schedule back-to-back is because after Ohio State, I think you're going to play two games where you're going to have to grow up as a team in a hurry. And what I mean by that is Notre Dame should beat Marshall and Cal, but yes. this is kind of like where Toledo was last year. They also that's should true. have beat Toledo. These are two teams that are very similar to Toledo. Yeah, that's a good point. And and so if you and, and so you're gonna have you're gonna feel some kind of way after the Ohio State game. Yeah, you're yeah. either gonna feel dejected because you lost, yeah. or you're gonna feel like a million bucks because you won. Either way, you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna be on an emotional high or low. Mm-hmm. And that's when leadership steps up and says, "Hey, fellas, enjoy this win." But because when we get back at it on Monday, that's behind us, and we're focused on what's next. That's much. That sounds great, and every coach says it. But right. doing it is a different animal. Agreed. And so I think you're going to have to. You're going to play teams that are good enough. And Marshall being a team that Notre Dame is going to be able to say to this team, "Hey guys, this is a team that went, you know, seven and six last year. They're projected to go eight and four. I'm looking to see who Marshall plays in their opener this year. They play Norfolk State, so they're going to be undefeated. Right, right. Right. And and the film that the Notre Dame players are going to watch a lot of, they're not just going to watch Norfolk State game. They're going to watch some of last year's film too and be like, wow, these guys got some dudes, right? Like they can play a little bit. So, you know, you'd, you'd like to think that this is a game where Notre, you're going to be able to kind of get the guys back to being right, but you're going to play two quality teams. And my concern would be is if you were playing like UNLV – and let's say Navy right after Ohio State, I don't know if you would have a, a, a realistic view of where you are because you're just so much better than those two teams. Whereas at least these two teams are both really well coached. Yeah. Right? To where Notre yeah. Dame's going to win both. <laughs> sure. Right? I mean, if they beat Toledo last year, that's another team. And, and Notre Dame's the way terrible they did. last year. Playing the way they right? did. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> they're still going to out-talent you to win the game. The question is, is do you bounce back and start playing your game? Are you going to b- play a brand of physical football? Are you going to you know, be disciplined on defense? You know, all those, type, all those type of things. Because these two teams are coached well enough where they're going to be able to punch in the mouth a little bit and, you know, maybe make you bleed. And, yeah. and you don't want that, right? You want to come out and just, you know, take the fight to them. And so if Notre Dame's not mentally and emotionally ready for these two games, they, they could be a little more competitive than they should be. Right. 
But if Notre Dame is able to roll them, odds are that this is a team that's got some maturity. So even though they rank ninth and 10th on our schedule, I do think they're both good enough to kind of make me say, you know what, Vince, like we're going to learn a little something about Notre Dame. And I do like the fact that they're back to back. And I do like the fact that they're right after Ohio state, because again, both winnable games in case you do need a game to get emotionally over that Ohio state game, right. You can still be able to be Marshall. Yeah. Right. You know, but, but also good enough to where they can, they can force you to kind of say, Hey, let's, let's refocus. Let's get back on this thing. And playing a bowl team in week two. I mean, that's the thing you're playing a bowl team in the second game of the year. True. That's what you're going to tell them. I mean, it's, and it's true. It's what you're going to tell them, but it's true. Well, and I feel like if things don't go the way, you know, Notre Dame fans want it to go against Ohio State, right? And and the odds are they're going to lose to Ohio State. Those are the odds. Those, those what the, the odds makers say. So if they lose to Ohio State, you, you almost have these two games to kind of, and I don't want to call it a get-right game because that's mm-hmm. not what I'm referring to, but it's an opportunity to regroup. It's a regroup situation, okay? Because a team can go one of two directions after a big loss, okay? It, whether mm-hmm. it's a close loss, whether it's not a close loss, whatever, a team can go two different directions. You can be like, well, you know, that's it. We're, we're, we, you know, we blew it in the first game. It doesn't matter anymore. Or it could galvanize a team, or they could be someplace in the middle. Mm-hmm. These two games are an opportunity for the coaching staff to pull this team right back to where they need to be, center things up, mm-hmm. make sure everybody's where they need to be, and be like, look, this is the team that we can be. Okay, right. week one is week one. We need to get better every week, and this is who we can be. So you've got two games where you can make that happen, and then of course you go on the road, I believe, to North Carolina, and then you can get to start th- getting right. things rolling right in the right direction. So I, I I feel like these two games are they're not get right games. Yeah, you know? they're they're good setup games. Though, yeah, I think. It, yeah, exactly. That you can get back on the right track. Yeah. you got to get your mind right when you play them. Yes, you know, but, but you also don't have to be perfect. Because you're still going to be a way better team than way way more talented team than they are. As absolutely, yeah. So let's move on to team number eight on our list, Brian, and that comes in week six. Mm-hmm. And those are our friends from out in California, the Fighting Trees of Stanford. It's October fifteenth, yes, right smack dab in the middle of October when the California teams come to visit Notre Dame and their current schedule breakdown. Mm-hmm. Stanford. Falls at number eight. I think it's a little high, but we we talked about it and we're like, okay, we'll put them at number eight. Still yeah. in the bottom half. They haven't been good lately. I feel like they can only get better, to be honest. Yeah, with they me. can't get it's hard for them to get and, worse. And that's the thing. Like yeah. when you look at their rankings from last year, okay. And again, I, I dove into the stats a little bit. When you look at their ranking, they had the worst offensive and defensive rankings across yes. the board. Of every yes. team that Notre Dame plays, the worst, <laughs> and it really wasn't that. I mean, just for for context, they were three and nine team last year, and Vince, like you know, we talked like you know three and nine, but like you know, but man, they played some close games. This is their margins of defeat last year: okay. 17, 11, 18, 7. That was at home to Washington, who stunk last year. Forty-five, twenty-one, thirty. They lost to Cal by 30. They gave up 41 points to Cal's offense, which averaged 24 points a game last year. And then Notre Dame beat them by 31. So, like, not only were they three and nine, they weren't competitive at three and nine. And that, and their defensive coordinator still has a job. Okay, sorry, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> I wasn't ready for no, that. I, one. I, but I mean, in, in, I know, in all I seriousness, like I they gave it. up thirty-two point four points per game last year. They gave up thirty-one point seven the year before that. They gave up twenty-nine point eight the year before that. And then he still has a job. Yeah. I, and this is you want to know why David Shaw is not winning the way he used to? It's stuff like that. Yeah. Lance Anderson has been a really not a good defensive coordinator, and it's gotten worse the last three years. And and there's just they, he's still there. Yeah, they are. They were the only team. I looked up four rankings, right? Scoring O, scoring D, total O, and total D. Okay, right. just to kind of get a picture of who these right. teams were last year. They were the only team in triple digits for every category. Yeah, on Notre Dame's schedule, 113th in scoring offense, 106th in scoring defense, 122 
in in total offense and 113 in total yeah. defense. That's that's I mean that's the struggle bus, man. I mean that that's tough. <laughs> that, is, that is tough, man. It's epically brutal. There's nothing to hang your hat on, though. No. Like that that was my issue for last year with Stanford. Yeah. They had nothing. You know, hey, look, they can't run the ball, but at least they can't protect the quarterback either. You know, I mean, that's the kind of thing you're saying about Stanford, yes. right? Like. Yeah, here, here's the thing, Vince. I actually contemplated putting them up higher on the list. Wow. And here's why. Okay. I go through two different phases of evaluating Stanford. The first is I, I go through their offense. I'm like, you know what? Their offense was pretty bad last year. But, you know, part of that was because they played several games without Tanner McKee. Right. And, Fair and, enough. and but even then, when he played, they still weren't that good. But I look at Tanner McKee and I see some things I like. Now, I think he's going to wait. I mean, people talk about him being a top 10 NFL draft pick. He completed 65.4% of his passes last year, 15 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 138.72. Right? Like, those aren't exactly like knock your socks off numbers. Right? And, right. and so I, I don't quite get the NFL hype for him. He's got a great arm. I mean, really big arm, but he's a statue. And the problem is, their offensive line was a was a struggle last year. Now, right. here's here's so all that sounds problematic, right? But here's sure. the thing. They were ravaged with injuries on offense last year. Ravaged. I mean, Elijah Higgins only played 10 games. He missed time. John Humphreys only played eight games. Uh, uh the the Tremaine receiver who played early, who had some success early when Stanford was actually like kind of looking good. I mean, Stanford started the year three and two, right? He played the first five games. Michael Wilson only played the four games. Uh, they had a lot of guys injured last year on offense, and some guys emerged. You know, uh, uh, Benjamin Urasek emerged. Notre Dame fans should remember him. Notre Dame recruited him actually as a defensive end uh, coming out of high school. He's a good football player. But they could never get all their skill together. Well, you've got five starters coming back in the offensive line, and this is the other thing. Ryan and I have talked about this in private conversation because, you know, we'll watch film and we'll talk about guys. Sure. But, like, they got some talented kids on the offensive line. Like, Walter Rouse is a kid that I'm like, you know, just from a pure talent standpoint, he's he's really good. Miles Hinton was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. They're right tackle, uh, whose brother played in Michigan, and his dad was a was a first-round draft pick in the NFL. Claimed to fame of his dad, Chris Hinton. He was the guy that was traded for John Elway from the Colts, or from the Broncos to the Colts, uh, you know, for the number for the number one, for, for you know, in that draft pick. So, it's just one of those things where, you know, Benjamin Bragg, there's talent there, Vince, but they just don't play well for yeah. some strange reason. Yeah. And so I almost convinced myself into saying, you know what, they should be higher because they do have talent. Michael Wilson was a really talented four-star player coming out of high school. Elijah Higgins, four-star player. Benjamin Urasek, four-star player. John Humphreys, four-star player. Uh, you know, EJ Smith, four-star player. The running back. Emmett Smith's son is they're going to be starting running back this year. He did some nice things last year. Sure. It's just – Will they be able to put it all together? And that's but it. I actually do think their offense is going to be better. So you, they got 10 guys coming back last year from last year's team that were starters. And now that may sound like, well, you got 10 starters coming back from a team that stunk. Yeah, but a lot of those guys weren't there the whole year. And, and as I said, when they were healthy early in the year, you know, they, they were three and two. They beat Oregon in overtime. Now, part of that was because of the situation with Joe Moorhead and being sick and hospitalized right before the game. But they scored 42 points in a win over USC and 41 points in a win over Vanderbilt on the road. So the, the incompetence we saw late in the year wasn't the same early when they were healthy. Sure. And that's the thing that we have to acknowledge, okay. Okay. right? And so, uh, so then that tells me, you know what? Stanford needs to get moved up. Then I go look at their defense, and I'm like, man, they really sucked on defense last year. Let's see who they have coming back. No one? Cool. All right. Like, they got a corner that's really good. Outside of that, their talent on defense is just like, wow. Okay, nope, nope. I mean, there's so like it used to be where like their defense was loaded guys with loaded with guys in Notre Dame trying to recruit, and now it's like, nope, 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 nope. Like it just they just don't have talent. They're really yeah. slow. Yeah, that's the problem. They're that's very slow them. in the front seven. That's and gonna hurt them against Notre Dame. It's gonna hurt them a ton. And so I don't. And I think their defensive coordinator stinks. I mean, with all due respect, I mean, I'm sure Lance Anderson's a nice guy. He's a terrible defensive coordinator. And I just don't see that getting any better. Right. And, and, you know, because they weren't injured on defense last year. That's the thing. I mean, every, everybody has their bumps and bruises, but sure. they were pretty healthy last year on defense. They just weren't any good. 
and I don't see that getting better. So their offense would have to get astronomically better for it to really have an impact on their overall record. Now, they're not going to go three and nine. That's the one thing I'm pretty confident in. They're going to be better than three and nine. But how much better? Enough to challenge Notre Dame? Not unless something dramatic happens. They're going to have to get a lot better to do that. But I do think their offense is going to provide Notre Dame's defense with a much better test. If they're coached right and healthy, this could end up being one of the best offensive lines that Notre Dame is going to face this year. If they're because there's talent there. I mean, Walter Rouse and my and Miles Hinton, if they are healthy, are one of the better tackle tandems on the schedule from a talent standpoint. You know, it's just you just it's an unknown of if they're going to be ready to play or not. That's yeah, the bigger question. Right. My other thing is if Notre Dame, you know, this defense that they're going to be going up against, if Notre Dame is scoring every possession, now they're going to get out of what they want to do offensively. Right. And that because you know what I mean? If you have to play catch up. Yeah, right. and that, then right. they they're not going to be it able to puts a ton of pressure on your offense too. It it's does. like, oh, we we got to score, man. And if you we can't, don't score, and, and you have to be perfect. Like the offense right. in that in that scenario, the offense has to be perfect. And by the time Notre Dame sees them in Week Six or in Game Six, I should say, you know how much pressure is this offense going to be feeling for Stanford, where they know they have to be perfect, especially going across the country to Notre Dame into Notre Dame Stadium, that environment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's a lot of pressure on an offense to to me in my opinion, right? Yeah. Uh, There's still a bottom half team on this schedule. And, you know, let's say you wanted to move them up. My issue with moving them up is then you got to look at the other teams on the schedule and it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, who are they going to be above? And I think that's, that's also where I have, I would have trouble moving them up. Like, am I I putting them above North Carolina, Boston college? You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. go through the, the, the list of the teams that are in the top half. I can't, right. I can't, I can't put them ahead of any of them. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. I, 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 once you kind of dive into it and you see how bad their defense is, you're like, yeah, I can't go any higher. <laughs> right. Right. But right. when I, when I'm just looking at the offense though, and this is my point is when I'm just looking at the offense, it's like, okay, this is actually has a chance to be a good offense because sure. they've got some receivers that they're big physical receivers. They can play that jump ball game. Stanford's we saw what Benjamin Urasek did last year to Notre Dame when he was the only weapon they had to worry about. And he still beat him for a long touchdown. Yeah. You know? And that, like um, I said, when Stanford was good offensively, it was those big receivers, did. man. It was like, it felt like they had just tight ends everywhere. And yeah. I mean, they, and the ones on the outside, they would do, I mean, they even beat Julian Love. I mean, they just right. throw fade routes and they just, yeah. they'd literally go in the end zone and just like box dudes out and they just throw it up in the air. I mean, yeah. I still remember that touchdown Julian Love gave up where he's like trying to get back around a guy and he's like, uh, he's just literally like boxing the guy out. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like, okay, that, that can't be legal, but you know, <laughs> it's like, what can you do? Yeah. You get around a giant body. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I get it. I man. was waiting on him to like post up and like put his hand up, like, you know, I got it. Like, throw me the oop, you know, it's just, <laughs> but, but yeah, so that's, that's where Stanford is, Vince. Yeah. Um, just again, should be better looking at their schedule. You know, they play Colgate in the opener. Then it's kind of like, okay, we're going to find out quick how good Stanford is. And that's the other thing that could hurt Stanford is they're not an incredibly deep team. And this is who they play between Colgate and the opener, Notre Dame. Okay. USC at home, at Washington, at Oregon, home against Oregon State. That's who they play in between Colgate and Notre Dame. So uh, that's not exactly a ideal. Yeah. I mean, you know, that that could be that could be a, a thing too is like they're either gonna be riding high because they've had a couple big wins or it's yeah. like they're in ready to and that's the thing about Stanford's last couple times they haven't been good Vince, they kind of quit. And they just I mean, yeah, exactly. They kind of quit. Yeah. I mean yep. Yep. And, and I don't have to say that like Notre Dame on the road. Yeah. That has a way of making you be like, you know yeah. what? Yeah, we're yeah. good. You know? Yeah, I mean, I hate to say that because I, I do have a lot of respect for David Shaw and what he did there, but I mean, they just kind of quit. Yeah. When, when things don't go their way, they just they get bad. I mean, we've seen it a lot in recent years. I mean, two, you know, 2018, start off 4-0 and then lose four of their next five games. Ended up losing, winning their last four, but it's like they played some pretty bad teams. Right. 19, you know, they, they start off um, – in 2019, they start off with three losses and just never kind of – they just never recovered. You know, they lost their last four games again. This is the thing about Stanford. They're often not competitive. Yeah. 2019, when they were four and eight, they lost by 25 to USC, 18 to UCF, 18 to UCLA, 
27 to Washington State, four to Cal, three to Colorado, and then 21 to Notre Dame. That's the thing is like when they lose, they lose in glorious fashion. You know, <laughs> they go down in flames. Like babe. they go down in hard flames. <laughs> and and that's the that's the thing that's been kind of sad to yeah. watch, to be honest with you. But um, I just don't think that they're going to be, a, uh, you know, that they're going to be a, a really sure overly competitive team. I mean, they could score 28 points and get destroyed by Notre Dame. Right. Because they, they, they give right. up 50. I mean, right. you know, yeah. but I, a, I lot, a lot of this, this should be a blowout win, but a lot of it's going to come down to the one biggest unknown I think we both have about this football team is just how good is the Notre Dame offense going to be? Yes, absolutely. And we're talking about this game specifically. How good can Notre Dame's offense be versus how bad the Stanford defense could be? You know what I mean? And and what's that? I don't know. It's interesting. It's going to be interesting. I agree with you. Last team on the list for today, Brian, we... I think we nailed it as far as how many we were allowed to talk about today. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but the last team on the list, and this might surprise some people, being at number seven, and that's the Syracuse Orange. This is week number eight. I actually contemplated putting them a little higher. Okay, so you, you're high on some of these but teams. But I didn't. So well, I'm not high. It's just I just – there's a lot of mediocreness yeah. well, in the middle it, of the schedule. I, I said to you when we were talking about this, I was like, some of the teams in the middle, I feel like you could just put in a shaker, shake them yeah. up. And exactly then kind of what pull you them out in whatever order, that. you know. And I think that that's kind of where we're at. But the Syracuse Orange, we should have played darts. We <laughs> should have just put like, you know, five through twelve, great. and just like start throwing darts and see who would be next. It'd yeah. be fun. Uh, going to the Carrier Dome, I assume uh, for mm-hmm. this one, they're going out to to New York. And I don't care what they na- renamed it. It's on the Carrier Irish Dome. Breakdown shows. It yeah. will be the Carrier Dome. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. I, I didn't even know they had another name. I've never been yeah, out. They renamed it this offseason. You know, got to no, get that money. Whatever. It's so, a giant indoor craziness. I mean, I, I've i never been. I'm excited to go. I've never been either, so I might yeah. hide in your case. But there you go. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm probably driving out there. So if you want to hop in, hop in the, the passenger seat, you know, yeah, you can do that. I would drive to it. I'm so, well, I was anyway. kind of thinking about making it like a week-long trip, you know, right. stopping and going to Niagara Falls. And I haven't been there since I was a senior in high school. And Gee, make it a little second line going to Niagara yeah. Falls. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Uh, you think you think I'm taking Ange? <laughs> Going solo, homie. I'm just, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> Please don't tell Angela I said that. Or it's on the internet forever. Don't worry. It's no big deal. All right. Uh, so talking about Syracuse, they they come in as the seventh team on our list. So the mm-hmm. last thing we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Talk to me about the Syracuse Orange and because they're not the Orange Men anymore. They're the Orange right. and uh, what they bring to the table. I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Syracuse went five and seven last year, <clears throat> but they do bring eight guys back on both sides of the ball. So they return eight starters, eight guys on defense. Average twenty four point nine points per game. Gave up twenty six point three points per game. They were an interesting team, Vince, because they actually started off well. You know, like they were actually look. They beat, uh, if you remember correctly, they beat Liberty okay. last year, uh, early in the year. And, and I thought, my, you know, Syracuse is rolling. They were three and one to start the year. Uh, I should have known it was Fool's Gold because one of the their one loss was to Rutgers. They beat <laughs> Ohio by twenty. Uh, lost to Rutgers. Uh, beat my former boss and all at Albany, uh, sixty-two to twenty-four. He wasn't my boss at our Albany. He was my boss at Duquesne. Uh, then they beat Liberty 21-21. and then. The next three games, like they lost them all, but they were super close. They lost by three points at Florida State. They lost by three points to Wake Forest. They lost by three points to Clemson, and they had a chance to win each one of those games. Then they beat Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech, and then they beat BC at home. So at that point in time, they're five and four, and it's like Syracuse is going to make a bowl game. Then they got destroyed by Louisville, 41 to three. They got destroyed by NC State, 41 17, got destroyed at home by Pitt, 31 14. So it's like you just got one win and you're bowl eligible and, and, and your losses have been competitive. And then it just – the wheels came off. Yeah. And that just has kind of been the deal the last few years with 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 Coach Babers is, you know, you think they're kind of ready to turn the corner and then just – you and know, and then the year before they were awful. I mean, he's been there for a little bit. And so is the heat turned up on his seat a little bit? <laughs> think, based I think on- it's got to be. I mean, yeah. he's still riding high off that 10-win year in 2018. Okay. And, you know, and, and they were a good football team that year. If you remember that year, that was the year that Notre Dame beat them 36 to three, but they lost by a touchdown to Pitt, almost beat Clemson. Remember, 
Um, Chase Bryce came off the bench. They knocked Trevor Lawrence out of the game. It was his first career start. Syracuse had a win. Yeah, they do. I don't know what it is. It's so weird. I don't know what it is. Syracuse knows how to play Clemson for some insane reason. They almost they they beat him in 2017. Almost beat him in 2018. Uh, yeah, it's it's they blew him out in 2019. 2020 was a competitive game. Uh, Clemson ended up winning 47 21, but they were actually losing. Clemson was losing in the second half to Syracuse. They were, and then last year they beat him by three. Yeah, and uh, they beat him in 2017. Is the year they beat him. That was the year that Clemson was actually the number one seed in the playoff that year, but their only loss was to to Syracuse. Yeah, in a game where Kelly Bryant got knocked out of the game. And that was that was a weird game because like he got knocked down several times. Just like he was like a, a, a heavyweight fighter that kept getting knocked down, but he kept getting up and then finally just got hit one too many times and they knocked him out of the game. Nuts. Um, you know, that was 2017 in the carrier dome. So just one of those weird teams. But Notre Dame has blown them out the last two times they played, including 2018, it's 36 to 3. If you remember correctly, it was like, well, Eric Dungey got knocked out. Eric Dungey got knocked out of the game. It was 14-nothing. I mean, they were all, I mean, they picked Jalen Elliott, remember picking him off early in the game. That was a game at Yankee Stadium. Uh, ran it back inside the 10. Notre Dame scored. I mean, they, they were all over Syracuse. Maybe Syracuse would have scored another touchdown or two, but I promise you Notre Dame would have kept pouring points on if Syracuse would have kept scoring. They would have kept pouring points on because they could not stop them. Yeah. But here's the interesting thing about this Syracuse team. So, again, they bring a lot back. They actually have a pretty decent offense and a really good running game. Uh, you remember two years ago when they played in 2020, you remember that Sean Tucker kid who took that touchdown, he went 80 yards for a touchdown. Yeah. He had a really nice year for them last year. Uh, he rushed for, uh, if you look, you look at the, he had rushed for 1,496 yards last year, 6.1 yards per carry, 12 touchdowns. And their quarterback is a really good runner. And this is partly why I considered moving them up is because what did we talk about yesterday? Notre Dame has a hard time with teams that have mobile quarterbacks. Garrett Schrader, Last year, rushed for 781 yards and 14 touchdowns. He averaged 4.5 yards per carry. And so that's kind of my concern. Now, here's the flip side. He can't throw, or at least he doesn't throw. Yeah. He's had some success in the past. He was actually a relatively highly ranked quarterback. If you remember, he actually started as a freshman at Mississippi State. Okay. And uh, and and did some nice things, but then transferring to Syracuse, he only passed for he averaged fifty. He completed fifty two point six percent of his passes for barely over fourteen hundred yards in twelve games, nine touchdowns and four interceptions. His quarterback rating was one thirteen point seven zero. They're just not a threat to run the ball or to throw the ball, and that's why if you look at their schedule last year, that's why when they did lose games, you know, especially late in the year, their offense just couldn't score late in the year because teams just said, okay, we're just gonna. We're going to load the box and make you beat us throwing the football, and they couldn't. But they've got a really good offensive line coming back. They have three starters in their offensive line coming back. Both of their uh, both of their tackles come back. Tucker comes back. They have some decent receivers coming back, and their quarterback comes back. So, And Dino Babers had made a name for himself as an offensive mind, if you remember correctly. I mean, he was really good at Eastern Illinois. I believe he was Jimmy Garoppolo's head coach at Eastern Illinois. I could be wrong on that, but I thought he was. Went to Bowling Green. They scored a ton of points at Bowling Green. And when he went to Syracuse, I mean, they scored a lot of points to Syracuse. And in 2018, Syracuse averaged 40.2 points per game. Here's what they've done since. 28.3 in 19, 17.8 in 20, and then 24.9 last year. I mean, they've fallen off a cliff. Yeah, they have. So the key for Syracuse is going to be, can they get their pass game going? That's right. going to be the key. Their defense is like, eh, you know, it, it, they try hard, but they don't have the athletes they had a couple years. Remember a couple years they had like Andre Sisco. At another NFL caliber DB, they were you know, they got, total yeah. defense last year, which yeah. is crazy to me. The other numbers didn't really line up with that because they were 64th yeah. in scoring defense, yeah. 18th in total defense, which yeah. is like well, part of that's the offense turning the ball over, sure. you know. But they've got, I mean, they've got some. They don't have the they don't have the talent they had a couple of years ago, but yeah, because you know, they they don't have quite the depth at secondary. They have a really good corner named Garrett Williams. Their safeties are just okay. But remember, a couple of years ago when they played, they had two really good defensive ends. That could rush the quarterback. They don't have that now. That's right. a big problem for them. Is they just they're not really good up front, and they have to replace all those guys. So, you know, to me, Syracuse could be a a sneaky, challenging team, and and they play them kind of right in that stretch where you're like, it should be that get right time. Be. You got to go out to Syracuse. It comes after Stanford and UNLV. But I'm, I'm telling you, Vince, I really contemplated moving them up ahead of 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 North Carolina because of when they play. 
I'm just not sure if North Carolina is going to be as good on September 24th as they're going to be on November 7th. And that's my thing. Like in North Carolina is one of those games where it's like, you know, I'd, I'd rather not play them later in the year. Sure. I'd rather play them now, you know, right. as they're breaking in a new quarterback, a new offensive lineman and all I, those kind of, they're getting used more, to the new yeah. scheme under Gene Chizik and that kind of stuff. I have more faith in North Carolina than I do in Syracuse. I think yeah. as a whole, like as a roster, Sure. I think I have more faith in North Carolina and they're both away games for Notre Dame. I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm more scared, more worried about North Carolina than I am about Syracuse. And I, I get, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair, but yeah. I just, I look at Syracuse and the competitive games they had last year against some pretty good teams. I mean, they had three point losses to a pair of 10 plus win teams in in Clemson and in Wake Forest. Sure. sure. You know, they they can run the ball and they have a mobile quarterback. But again, it for me, it's it's more so if I could if would I rather the week that they play Syracuse, right? What did we say? It was October 15th. Is that when we said this game was going to be played, or was it actually it's later? It's, it's October uh, 29th. October 15th is Stanford. Yeah, it's October 29th. It's the week before Clemson. That's another part of it, too. Sure. It's the week before Clemson. Right. But here's the deal. Would I rather play Syracuse or North Carolina on October 29th? And the answer is I'd rather play Syracuse. But the reason I contemplated putting Syracuse ahead is the because t- we said it's about timing. Yeah, right. I don't know if North Carolina is going to be as good on September 24th because it's, sure. it's going to be start number four for their quarterback, you know, and 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 their reshaped offensive line, and they're going to be just in game four of getting used to Gene Chizik's defense and all that kind of stuff. But then the other part of it, too, is North Carolina is going to be pretty battle-tested by then. You know, North Carolina doesn't, like, cakewalk through their first four games. They have to play App State in week two, right? So they're going to get a little bit of a test. They have to go on the road and play Georgia State, who's, a you know, not good, but it's a road game. There's adversity they have to kind of go through getting on the road. So you'll you'll know a little bit more about them. But that's really what it boiled down to for me, Vince, was, like you said, I just think Syracuse what it what it came down to it was at the end of the day, North Carolina has more playmakers that's that that could rip off big plays. And how do you get upset by a team like this? You and I have talked about this. You got to outscore them. And I'm much more concerned about North Carolina potentially outscoring Notre Dame than I am about Syracuse. Sure, absolutely. Because even though I'm worried about the mobile quarterback, I'm just not worried about them throwing the football against Notre right. Dame. And that makes and them one-dimensional. Right. And any time a team is one-dimensional, right. I'll take that team over a potentially right. multi-dimensional team. Right. All day long. All right. day long. So that's I, where it came down to for me. Mobile quarterback hurts you if you're playing the pass, you know, because there's holes for him to run. If you're playing the run, a mobile quarterback is not – is dangerous you know what i mean because you've got more guys up close to the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. it, it just yeah absolutely yep. i'm with yep. you so that is going to do it and look at that boom one hour just like that yeah that is wow. gonna do it for the first half of our schedule didn't break. even do it on purpose oh that was amazing let's see if we can do this in an hour yeah. <laughs> and the thing we were gonna do all 12 teams i, I know right and no. you know we're gonna talk more about the top six teams than sure we are about the sure that's just, sure that's just gonna be that facts well anyway. the first couple maybe not okay you know, like north carolina and and yeah. you know but the bc is going to be interesting and yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting absolutely it's going to be oh. interesting we yeah. all know who the number one team is going to be so that'll kind of bleed BYU. into the q a yeah. time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's teams oh, you're funny and uh we will be back on wednesday well, we're not done yet we have a q a no. man okay we, just make don't go sure. anywhere don't okay. pick go anywhere i'm just foreshadowing the second half preview we're going to do that on wednesday uh when brian and i are back together again in the afternoon but stick around because we are going to have a little bit of a mailbag as well as we always do we've been starring a few questions here and there mm-hmm. as they go. And and some comments too we get some more comments yeah. worried about people's colors and things of that nature uh mm-hmm. but so that's seven through twelve one through six are going to be on wednesday so make sure you stay tuned for that
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.